Hi, I'm Jason Seaver. I'm a psychiatrist, and I believe in the infinite potential of the human spirit. And I'm Maggie Seaver. I'm a mother, and the infinite potential of the human spirit scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. She's not so tough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, anyway, last week, after 15 years of motherhood, Maggie went back to work as a reporter for the local newspaper. And Jason moved his practice into the house so he can be there for the kids. They're great kids. Yeah. And we have a great relationship with them. Yeah, there's just one problem. Their father trusts them, and they know it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Show me that smile again. Don't waste Everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Show Me That Smile Again, a Growing Pains podcast. How's everyone been doing? I'm doing good. So, since today is the first day of June, and the new character for the month of June, of course, is going to be Luke Brower, played by none other than Leonardo DiCaprio. In Season 7, the final season of Growing Pains, I picked two episodes for the month of June. The first one is Season 7, Episode 3, entitled In Vino Veritas. I think that's how it's said. So this episode aired on September 28, 1991. In this episode, a homeless remedial student comes under suspicion when Jason's wine collection starts to disappear. So this episode actually does carry over from Season 7, Episode 2, called Stop, Luke, and Listen. Mike tries to help when he learns that his best remedial student is homeless. So he Mike finds Luke hiding in a storage closet type thing that he's actually living there. He doesn't actually have an, an address. And he sees Luke stealing from a re food from a restaurant. Says, I will take you to my place where you can stay the night. You'll have a place to stay. And then we'll figure it out in the morning. He brings Luke home, not realizing that his family was meeting Kate for the first time. It was an awkward dinner. Mike's in big trouble with Kate and most likely his family. And he does not, because he came home late, he does not know that Carol came home from college. When he says, Luke, go to my sister Carol's room. You can sleep in her bed. And Luke's like, what? And Mike's like, don't, she's off of college. Bed's free. Don't worry about it. Luke goes up, gets into bed. Carol's there. We hear a scream. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically this episode really is going to shine, Leonardo DiCaprio's acting is really going to shine this episode, and it really just shows early on how much of a breakout star he was. I mean, after this movie, <laughs> after this show was over in 92, he went on to be in this boy's life with Robert De Niro and Ellen, is it Ellen Burst? And, um, and 
Yeah, that that's a good. I would love to review that movie sometime for the podcast. Um, what's eating Gilbert Grape? I think didn't he get nominated for that? I I I think he definitely did. Where he plays a mentally handicapped uh eighteen year old in that movie, and it's got Johnny Depp in it, Juliette Lewis, Mary Ste- Steenburgen, John C. Riley, Crispin Glovin. This episode actually has an 8.2 out of 10, which highly deserved, definitely. We got some trivia. The title comes from the instructions learned in kindergarten on how to handle crossing a street or a railroad track. Whoops, wait, that's from Stop, Look, and Listen. Whoopsie, my bad. Because yeah, that is still on Season 7, Episode 2. Okay. 8.6. This episode that I'm covering today has... Writ, uh, directed by Jack Shea, writers Neil Marlins, Wendy Braff, show staff writer, and Rich Reinhardt. This was written by... Let's see, no trivia for this episode. This episode actually aired on September 28th, 1991. Alright. Now I have a little clip I want to play of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's first interview when he was on Growing Paints. And you can tell... Well, not so much maybe that he's nervous, but that he's started he's giving some details that the show does not want him to reveal right away. And it's like, you guys, why didn't you prep him before he had this interview? I mean, he knew a little bit about his character, but it's just like, come on. Like, oh, don't say that. We don't want to say that. Try using this word. Like, come on. I mean, at the time, he was, what, 17, 18 years old when he was on Growing Pains? So, I'm just going to play the clip. It's cool. I really think it's awesome. His stepfather was an alcoholic, and he would, like, beat him. So, he had to leave the house. Oh. <laughs> Leo was also interrupted when he said Luke could find a better home than the Seavers. Yeah, basically, Mike brings me into the family until I find a better home because he cares about me and everything. Maybe you don't want to say better home because... Foster home. <laughs> well, I meant, I meant, I meant better home as in... Opposed to no home, not because the Seavers are perfect, you know. But I mean, big show, big people, big. They've been with each other for so long, you know. I didn't know how they feel about me coming in. So I chose this episode and the next episode that I really, really like because they're both serious episodes. You and you really get to see Leonardo's acting chops shine through. On this series, um, as much as a sitcom can sometimes have a serious episode and take itself seriously, there are, you know, kind of a a balance. Like it can be funny and play things for laughs, but then it's also good to have serious episodes that people can actually relate to, which is really awesome. So uh, the next episode that's going to be later in June is episode 11 from season 7 entitled Bad Dad Cafe which aired on November 23rd 91 so right before Thanksgiving in this episode Mike's skeptical when Luke's dad reappears wanting his son back Ben pretends to be Luke so Mike can check the man out yeah and mind you if you have Amazon Prime 
you can watch all of Growing Pains on it. So you don't got to worry about trying to track down the DVDs. <laughs> all right, let's jump right into this episode. So when I play the video, when I play um, the beginning of the episode, they do a recap of what happened in the previous episode. So that way it almost kind of melds into another part. We do get an exterior shot of the Seaver home. It's a nice white house with light blue molding on um, from the shutters to around the windows. It's really pretty. So we open up in the kitchen as Mike, who's living above the garage, and Luke comes in. He's like, oh, Luke, you didn't have to take the floor. You could have slept in the water bed. And Luke is like, ah, I didn't want to sleep in a bed that might wet me. Luke, buddy, let me tell you from experience, water beds are the best. I had one from the time I was 10 or 11 until I think it was 19. And then my dad got tired of the maintenance and he's like, I'm just going to put you in a regu regular bed. Now, let me just say that having gone that long sleeping in a waterbed to a regular bed, that was an adjustment in itself. That night, I had to wear sweatpants, socks, uh, probably a sweater or sweatshirt. I was cold. Because I was getting, having to get used to the temperature of a regular bed. Which, when you have a heated water bed and you can set it to whatever temperature, you kind of definitely tell a difference. Because right when they come in, Mike's like, hey, is your neck still bugging you? You didn't have to sleep on the floor. Because you see um, Luke coming in, he's kind of rubbing the back of his neck. Which, I've slept on the floor before, like when we first moved into our apartment, we didn't have a bed yet, and I slept on this like padding material. I think I even had a sleeping bag, and I was so like not just my neck, my whole body ached. Like never again. I'm not sleeping on the floor. Maybe that's why I'm not into camping. I mean, you have a pad, you have a sleeping bag and everything, but still, you're on... I mean, even an air mattress is probably good, but even still, that doesn't compare to the feeling of a real bed. So Mike says, hey, how about I make it up to you with Michael Seaver's super-duper breakfast? And Leah... I guess I call him Leonardo. <laughs> Luke is like, that sounds great. So he's probably thinking, oh, you're going to make me some pancakes or French toast, maybe some eggs and bacon. No, Mike goes for the built-in shelf in the wall by the right of the fridge. He pulls out a couple cereal boxes. He says marshmallow Twinkles, which it's ABC Marshmallows. They just slapped Twinkles, this pink sticker over it. And you can see it's Diggum the the Frog for Honey Smacks, but they slapped up Mr. Smacky's Peanut Logs. And Luke is like, well, I was kind of hoping for something hot. And Mike's like, well, I mean, you can heat up the peanut logs, but I gotta warn you, they'll burn the roof of your mouth. And the look of revulsion on Luke's face is just like, ooh, no thank you, I'll pass. So I'm gonna play this clip. It's just, it's, it's funny. I don't think we've ever seen Mike cook anything in his life, and even if he did, I doubt it was that great. Because eventually he's like, alright, fine, you want a hot breakfast, so I'll take you somewhere to eat. 
And Luke surprises him, like, oh, well, that's not a big deal, man. We can just eat here. I mean, you got oil, you got flour, you got eggs. Yeah, you know, Luke knows his way around, you know, how to make stuff on the fly. If you don't got much, as long as you got those things, you can make some pancakes. Luke's, uh, you know, he was homeless. He had to improvise. pancakes and that's when Mike says oh, well fine we'll go out and that's when right away Luke sees the flour and the oil of course the eggs they're gonna be in the fridge and he assumes Mike's got a family you're gonna have eggs in the house so he's like yeah and I love how there is an apron right by the side of the fridge that he just automatically puts on before he starts pulling out the vegetable oil and the bag of flour what is that other thing? Is that shortening? Uh, I can't So, already, Luke has got these lies already lined up, depending on who he's interacting with. And, of course, it's always a situation of what he's talking about, what's going on. Like, with this situation, he's making the pancakes. So, he invents the story about... When I was, until I was 10, I helped my mom at a lumber camp in Oregon cook flapjacks for a bunch of lumberjacks. And he's like, when you got 30 men with chainsaws, you learn to watch your fat flap. It's always like 30 guys, whether it's 30 guys with chainsaws, 30 guys with machetes and coconuts, um, barnstormers, um... He invents a thing where he, with Ben, with the movie theater, because he says, I, I'm used to sleeping in alleyways and, and movie theaters and this stuff. So with each person, you know, he, he does this with the whole family, except maybe he might with Chrissy, I don't know. But first it's with Mike, then it's with, you know, Ben, Carol, Jason, and Maggie individually. So that way he's feeding them all a line. And no one's talking to anybody about their conversations with Luke until it all comes to a confrontation between, oh, well, no, they, he, he said he did this. Oh, he said he was living with these people. Okay, he's telling us a bunch of lies. We don't know what's true. But then again... He's probably made all this stuff. He's got stuff in his head 
ready to go. So that way, if anyone asks him a question, which maybe people, he's been in situations like this before. Maybe Mike's not the, well, if Mike isn't the first person to help Luke out, he wouldn't be in that situation. He already would have been helped out. But Luke's from the streets. He knows how to weave a tale. He knows how to make it believable. So, yeah. And I love how Mike just insinuates, Mike, you don't live in that house. You don't own that house. You live above the garage. So who are you to just invite Luke in? Like, hey, Luke, it's my fault that you're in this situation. I want you to hang out here. You can stay here. And even Luke looks at Mike skeptically like, okay, look, no way, as much as I love the fact that you're offering me a place to stay, your parents are not going to let me live here. And Mike's like, hey, you see this pinky? This is the finger I got him wrapped around. I got nine more on standby. If I say you're staying here, you're staying here. We cut to Maggie and Jason. Mind you, while they're getting all this stuff set up, the family is nowhere. They're either still sleeping or they're just starting to get up. And no one knows they've never met Luke before. Except for Carol, when Luke came into her bedroom the night before and tried to get into her bed, unbeknownst that she was even there. We cut right into, he cannot stay here, Maggie is telling Mike. Like, you can't just invite this kid into our house. We don't know him, we know nothing about him, and neither do you. And Maggie brings up a good point. We do have Ben and Chrissy. We have a five-year-old we have to think about. We don't know this kid's history. Is he violent? Is he on drugs? Those are things that we have to, questions we need to ask ourselves before we let someone, you know, a troubled youth into our home. So I'm going to play this clip. Straight puppy. This Luke could be dangerous. He could be a thief. And we do have a five-year-old. Your mom has a point, Mike. We've got to think of Chrissy. Mom, he is not dangerous. He's my best student. Okay? And he's never stolen a thing. Except for food, clothes, and home box office. <laughs> Mike, all we're saying is <laughs> he gets cable free. Jason, stay focused. Mike, you have no right. Mom, I think you are being selfish. Selfish? You're being naive. Wait a minute, Mike, Maggie, wait a minute. Let's keep our emotions in check here. Mike, you slime bucket. <laughs> has her worries are very um they're very warranted 
She's like, this is not like bringing home a stray puppy. You don't know anything about this kid. He could be dangerous. We have a five-year-old to think about. And even Jason's like, yes, we have to think of our daughter. And not to mention, I'd be like, Mike, this isn't your house. You live above our garage. You pay rent. You don't get to just bring in anybody in, into our house and say it's fine. And Mike's like, gee, Mom, I think you're being selfish. And she's like, well, you're being naive. I get that he wants to be a good Samaritan. He wants to help a kid out in trouble. And he's like, he's not dangerous. He's my best student. He's never stolen a thing except for food, clothes, and home box office. Of course, Jason's like, oh, wait. Oh, he gets cable free. And Megan's like, Jason, please stay focused, dear. Of course, before they can continue this argument any further, Carol and Ben have to come in so Carol can weigh in on the situation because, of course, Mike inconvenienced her by sending Luke to her room to sleep in, even though they thought it was unoccupied. And it's just funny how Carol's like, even your apprentice slimeball agrees with me. And Ben's like, well, I didn't agree with you. And she's like, what? You've been agreeing with me all morning. He's like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to see you get so angry that you, what do you say, you fleck foam from the corners of your mouth? <laughs> and she starts rambling, and he's, Ben's like, oh, oh, there it is, there it is, mission control, we have a cheap foam. And he and, and Mike kind of go and slap palms together like, <laughs> uh, Jason comes out of the bathroom. He's like, all right, all right, all right, Carol, wipe your mouth. So Carol demands family conference, and Jason's like, good, thinking. Carol, Carol, Ben, can you please get out of here while Mike and your mother and I talk about this situation? And Carol's like, yeah, but wait a minute, Dad, it was my idea. And he's like, yes, sweetie, and it was a good one. Get out of our room. Thank you. This doesn't concern you. Also, we are seeing Ben sans glasses. He has not been nerdified yet. He's still cool Ben for... A couple episodes. Why did they nerdify him? I mean, nothing again. You know, I'm not saying everyone that wears... I wear glasses. I'm not a nerd. No one who wears glasses is a nerd. I'm going on record saying that. People with glasses are hot. Um, <laughs> what I am saying is they could have kept this, but because they had Luke, there was a whole thing. They brought in another person... Mike is no longer the teen idol heartthrob that he once was from season one and two. And Jeremy Miller, they probably thought he's just not bringing in the girls. He's not bringing in the wow factor. He's not a cute kid anymore. We don't know what to do with him. That's why we brought in Chrissy, just like we did in different or on uh, Family Ties. When Jennifer got too old, we brought in little Andy. Didn't help anything. <laughs> But now, Chrissy, she might be a cute little imp, but her cuteness is at cavity status. So, let's bring in a heartthrob. Let's bring in the teenage girls. This is a last-ditch effort in their final season to bring in ratings, which the show was inevitably canceled regardless. Didn't help, but... It did put Leo on the radar of people. People, He started to get noticed. So they accomplished one goal, right? Or at least Leo did. 
So, Jason has got a psychiatry hat, his job hat on right now. He's like, hey, Maggie, let's hear Mike out, see what he has to say before we just throw in the towel and say no. And Mike stands up, he's like, yes, thank you. Now, can Luke stay? Maggie's like, no chance. Jason goes on about how they have an extra bedroom. What, just because Carol's not there? Because this is the season, the final season, where Tracy Gold is going to be getting help, getting treatment for her anorexia. And she's going to be off either a college or she's going to be... I think they sent her on a trip to... She sent herself on a trip to London, the character did, for a while until she got the help that she needed. So Jason's bringing up good points. We get that Luke's a needy guy. We get we have a lot here to offer. We do have a spare bedroom. And, and Jason's getting a little off track. Like, oh, what was the problem again, Maggie? And she is, Maggie is firm in her, what she decides. Like, honey, he cannot stay here. He just, he can't. And not to mention the fact that Carol came home for a weekend. That and slept in her bed in her room. That doesn't mean Luke can stay in her room. What if she want? Is she supposed to come home on the weekend and sleep on the couch because now her room is occupied? I mean, I'm sure there's got to be another solution. Put Chrissy in Carol's room. They can bunk together. <laughs> and, and, and Luke can... No, that, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. So Mike kind of throws his hands up in exasperation, like, fine, fine, I get it, he can't stay here, but where can he go? Jason, the psychiatrist, of course, suggests a foster home. We, I, I work down there at the shelters, I can get him a good placement. In the meanwhile, while we're looking to get him a home, he could stay at this one place, which Mike has heard of it. It's very bad. They got drug addicts, they got gang members, and he's like, and that's just the honors program. Just have the kid bunk on the couch, man. It's no different than a cot. He's a consultant at the Bureau of Child Welfare. A facility called Peyton Hall. Not Fenster Hall? Right. This is it. Seavers live in New York. Punky Brewster was sentenced to Chicago. Well, hey, you know, Jason could always get in touch with Edward Stratton, who's on the board of the Children's Hospital. Don't know what they could do for him, but hey. And Jason kind of say, like, Maggie, he does have a point. That place can be really, and Maggie's like, I don't care. And Jason's like, I can't get through to Mike, he's just going to have to suck it up and deal with it, all right? I mean, he's going to be off the streets at least. They're not going to stick a 17-year-old kid with adults that have substance abuse problems. They're not going to do that. He is legally underage. He is a child. They're not going to stick him with adults. And Maggie says, we all feel sorry for Luke. We haven't even met him yet. We already feel sorry for him. But life's not always fair. Yes, Maggie, you didn't have a drunken stepfather who chased after you with a bat and then killed your mother. Spoiler alert, that's what happens when Luke breaks down. And she says there are some things we can't fix. And Jason's like, I'll try to get him out of Peyton Hall and into a foster home as fast as I can. But of course, you know, with all the red tape and everything, that is going to take time. So, of course, Mike wants to play the sympathy card as hard as he can as he brings his parents down to actually meet Luke. And Luke, of course, has made himself, he's sitting at the table, he's got like, Four pancakes, shovel in his face, 
And Maggie just looks at him, and Luke stops eating. She takes Luke's face in her hands and says, You can stay with us. Just one look at this kid. Kisses him on the forehead. He's like, Whoa, okay. Cool, I guess. Hey, yeah, you remember my folks. Hi, <laughs> uh, Luke. Well, they did uh, Listen, Luke, uh, we've been talking things over, and, well, uh, just to uh, lay it out there for you, uh, mm-hmm. Dad? <laughs> well, Luke, what Mike's trying to say is that uh, we completely understand your situation and we sympathize. And so, uh, Maggie? <laughs> you can stay with us. Okay. So, yeah, Chase, er, Mike's like, Luke, um, here are my folks. You met them last night when you snuck in, when you went into Carol's room. And now you're officially meeting them. And, uh, Dad, can you take it from here? And Jason's like, well, look, Luke, we understand your situation. And we said, you don't know. All you know is that he's homeless. You don't know how he even got there. So you can't exactly say that you sympathize. Well, you just sympathize that he has nowhere to live. And Jason's like, I Look at that face. I can't. Maggie, can you? Maggie pulls out a chair, sits down, takes Luke's face in her hands, turns his face to face her. And he, mind you, he's still got a mouthful of pancakes as he's, and she just looks at him like, oh my God, my heart is breaking. You can stay with us. (laughs) And she kisses his forehead. Like, yeah, it's, you can't resist. It's Leo. He's got a cute face. So that all in itself was the cold open. And with the credits that come up, we see Leonardo DiCaprio's name. Later in the season, we will get not just his his name has been added to the credits, but we will get pictures. His pictures are going to be on the mantle. We got a large family photo hanging above the mantle. It's very, like, the width of the fireplace, the length of it, that's how long this picture is. We got uh, the picture from season one, Carol's short hair and glasses. We got Mike's graduation. And we have, of course, the birth of baby Chrissy from season four? Four? Yes. Yes, four. I believe. Do you know what's interesting? Um, you never, ever see, Mike is the only one you ever see graduate. I think it would have been kind of cool to see Carol graduate. Like, I bet anything she was the valedictorian. She got to give the graduating speech. Because I'm sure when I watched Family Ties, we not only saw Alex graduate, but we saw Mallory graduate high school, too. I made it to season five. I made it through the birth of Andy. But Alex... His attitude towards women and just in general started to gnaw on my nerves. And I just, like, I need to take a break. Because I had watched for months. I started at season one and worked my way into season five. And I just kind of like, okay, I gotta I gotta put some distance between me and Alex P. Keaton. Because I just can't right now. So we come out of the intro. We go into Carol's room. Since Luke is now going to be staying there... She's kind of giving him the breakdown of the rules of the room. 
Number one, don't let Ben touch Fluffy Face, this adorable St. Bernard stuffed animal. It looks like a, what a four-month-old St. Bernard the size of it. And I, I want that big stuffed animal. I really, it's so cute. She calls him Fluffy Face, and she's like, oh yeah, by the way, don't let Ben come in here at all. Like, don't have him touch anything else. The only thing we see that Luke has brought with him is what looks like a, a camouflaged backpack. He's wearing baggy jeans and a flannel long sleeve button up with a kind of reddish orangish or burnt orange red shirt underneath. So I'm going to play that clip. <coughs> the closet and she's got some space around like please don't let your clothes touch my clothes i sure i don't have to tell you how easily linen wrinkles and of course luke is like it's a stinking crime am i right i mean look that's why i choose one look all year round and of course carol's like oh i'm sorry i wasn't thinking um how do you stay warm in the wintertime? And of course, Luke concocts a story about how he lived in Jamaica with his mom. And of course, I thought the number was 30 that he was sticking with. No, that number goes up. He's like, well, when I, I used to be a cook at a plantation with my mom. And you have 68 guys with machetes. You learn to watch your coconuts. So Carol, of course, is impressed. Like, wow, Jamaica. I mean, the Seafers have been to, to Maui, but they haven't been to Jamaica. So, Ben, of course, comes in, says, hey, Luke, I see, like, you just have one outfit. Um, Mike and I and my mom thought, hey, get Luke some extra clothes. No one in that family, the guys do not look like they're the same size. Luke is tall and lanky, but Jeremy Miller is much taller than he is but you know he'll just make do like oh thanks you got pants oh jeans uh, oh t-shirts and a and a in a bra as he holds it up on or no ben holds it up on a finger by the strap says oh no this is just carol's mom washed it carol yanks it off ben's finger like great now it'll have to be washed again like ew you're touching your sister's bra dude that's nasty no teenage sibling would be caught dead dangling their sibling's 
bra, boxers, jockstrap, whatever. That's nastiness. So Carol F's it. It's like, great, Mom's going to have to watch the bra again. In fact, why don't you just burn it because Ben touched it. And Ben's like, oh, is she gone? As Luke shuts the door. And he's like, yeah, why? And then Ben starts jumping on Carol's bed, punching poor Fluffy Face. says, I want this big stuffed dog. I know this is from 92. It just looks so, I would give, oh my god, I got enough stuffed animals on my, on my headboard. This thing would not fit. And Ben, or Luke, the whole time is kind of, like, laughing at this, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think he wants you doing that. And Ben is, like, slamming this dog's face, suffocating it into a pillow, this stuffed dog, smacking it against the wall, slamming its head into a, the headboard. And he's like, yeah, I don't know how she knows, but, I mean, and then he looks around like, man, I don't see how you can sleep in here with all the girly stuff. And then Luke goes into his next made-up story of, oh, well, you know, I'm usually used to sleeping in, like, doorways and storerooms and, oh, uh, movie theaters. Ding, 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 you said the magic word for this teenager here. Movie theaters? And Luke explains, yeah, I mean, I got this sure fire system where the manager ushers me in, holds the door open, and calls me sir. And let me just tell you, I committed that to memory because I have these episodes, a lot of them, memorized from when I was watching them on the Disney Channel back in 97. I even would, like, record some of them and then, like, like the dialogue and stuff like that to the point where I was committing this as they were saying the lines. That was all, like, the next line was already ready to go in my head. about the sneaking in, sleeping in the movie theaters. Ben wraps an arm around Luke's shoulder, says, Luke, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And they walk out of the room. Now we cut to the driveway where Jason is screaming up to Mike's apartment because he wants Mike to wash his car. Mike is not a teenager anymore, man. You want to wash it. You wash it yourself. I mean, if he's paying you rent, why does he need to be washing your car for you? Jason, you're lazy. And Carol comes out and she's like, Dad, seriously, every Saturday you come out here, you scream Mike's name to get him to wash your car. And then what happens? You just end up washing the car yourself. Yelling is a waste of time. Just do the work yourself. 
Carol leaves, Jason continues yelling, and then Luke comes out like, what? Something wrong? What's wrong? I'll wash your car for you, sir. Just stop yelling at your son. And Luke volunteers to do it, but then Jason's like, no, no, this is Mike's job. It's always been his job, and I want to live to see him wash the car at least once. Is that all this is about? It's like, no, no, because Luke actually starts, like, takes a towel from Jason's hand, dips it in the bucket of suds, and just starts cleaning the white walls of the tire to the point where Jason's like, oh my gosh, that tire is so clean. It has white walls? No way. And I'm looking at Jason's car. It's not a beater. It's not really gross or anything. I mean, it does need to be washed. But it's like, Jason's a psychiatrist and Maggie is a journalist slash... Well, now she's a journalist. Before, I think at one point she was on the news. She was covering news stories. And I'm thinking... That just because you make a good amount of money doesn't mean you have to most have the most flashiest, most expensive car. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, guys. I don't know. His car's fine. For all we know, that car probably cost him 20 plus thousand dollars in 1992 money. Oh, just trying to get Mike to wash the car. I'll do it. Oh, well, there, that's resolved. another story with Jason. It's always something different. Uh, with Mike, it was the lumberjack thing. With, we haven't gotten to Maggie yet, because we'll get to Maggie in a minute, but it went from Mike to Carol to, he didn't really say much with Ben other than he just slept in movie theaters and storage rooms. Um, with Carol, it was in Jamaica. Now with Jason... He's like, hey, I grew up with barnstormers. And Jason's like, really, barnstormers in Manhattan? And looks like, oh, no, no, South Dakota. For my birthday one year, they took me up and they spun me around until I lost my lunch. Oh, God, I love those guys. <laughs> and Jason's like, oh, no wonder the planes need so much washing. As Luke is, like, cleaning the side of the car on the passenger side, he finds, like, no, 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 he takes the sponge out of Luke's hand, like, Luke, Luke, please, this has been Mike's job for 11 years, I want to live long enough to see him do it at least once, and I, when Luke runs out, the first thing I see him do, it's Leonardo DiCaprio doing this, clearly, because those pants are, he is a scrawny looking little boy, he is hiking up those pants. Like, those pants probably came from either Ben or Mike. I doubt they came from Jason, but it's probably either Ben or Mike's. And they're both a bit taller than uh, than Luke slash Leo. So, it was just kind of funny. It's like, hike up those pants. <laughs> he's, just, he's wearing a, a baggy sweatshirt and baggy jeans. Did they give him shoes, too? Because it looks like he's kind of wearing... 
they're they don't look like high tops. Ben was wearing these really nice black high tops with the white zigzag line on them. They weren't. I don't think they were Nike. They didn't have the Nike symbol on them, but they almost look. It looks, and he's wearing a green baseball cap. So Mike, this whole time has been hiding in the neighbor's yard, cause he's his head pops up behind a fence. It's like, hey, Luke, is my dad gone? And Luke's like, yeah, yeah, he's not here. And, of course, Mike's like, what are you doing? You don't need to wash the car. Don't worry about it. And, of course, this is a, a, a trigger moment, clearly, for Luke. He heard Jason yelling. We're going to get more into it when he delves into the real story. Not all these lies he's been making up. That's why he came running, because he heard Jason yelling. And, of course, we learned that he grew up with a stepfather who was abusive. He drank a lot. So that's kind of what triggered that. He's like, oh, no, no, don't get mad. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Because he goes to Mike. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, your dad was upset. He was yelling. And I think at one point Mike says, my dad likes Mike's Freddy Krueger look like a wimp or something. But I'll play the clip. <coughs> your dad's car. No, Luke, you don't have to do chores just because my dad asked you to. Well, he didn't ask me. I volunteered. <gasps> you volunteer? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Look, yes, maybe the way you do it on the streets, but this is suburbia. Nobody does anything for anyone. <laughs> he was upset. He was yelling. <laughs> yelling is nothing. Believe me, I mean, you don't have to worry about my dad until his nostrils flare and that vein over his left eyebrow starts throbbing. <laughs> After that, he makes Freddy Krueger look like a guy with press-on nails. <laughs> Mike, this is really reprehensible. <laughs> this is your job, this is your guest, and that is... Holy smokes, we got white walls. Oh, you want wow. to take over, Dad? No. And Jason finally comes out like, Mike, this is your job, this is your guest, why is he doing your work? Why is it his job? Jason, Mike has a job. Why are he... And he's paying you rent. Why does he need to be washing your car? I don't know why. It, dry, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I mean, if you were paying rent and you were renting a room from your parents, would you be expected to wash their car for them? Sure, you'd be doing your own laundry, most likely making your own meals, but washing their car? Uh. So, and, oh, and the thing is, Mike said, this is suburbia. Nobody does anything for anybody when Luke said, oh, well, no, your dad didn't ask me to wash the car. I actually volunteered. And he says, like, you don't got to worry about my dad until the, his nostrils start to flare and that vein over his left eyebrow starts to throb. Then he makes Freddy Krueger look like a guy with press-on nails. Uh, yeah, and that's not going to put a good picture in his head. But now we go to the kitchen where Luke is helping Maggie put away some groceries. And he's spinning another tale. Let's see, where where did Luke... He's, wow, Jamaica, South Dakota, my um, Oregon. Oh, this boy's been all over. Apparently he's spinning the tale of, I used to work on a dude ranch. And he's like, when you... When you cook for 68, it's still 68. Before, when he talked to Mike, he said 30. Now he's like, he's sticking with 68. 68 burly men with lassos. You learn to watch your biscuits, your coconuts, your flapjacks. This kid is all about the food. 
even the sweatshirt they got him in is, like, an XL, and he needs maybe, like, a medium. This kid does not need a large shirt. He needs a medium, or maybe a small, because he's, he's a scrawny kid. Oh, yeah, and the green hat that he's wearing backwards says Jets on it, but it's, like, in yellow font and not, like, the Kevin Arnold Jets jacket with the white lettering. So, interesting. Maybe they changed their colors later on <laughs> from, like, 68 to uh, 92. Okay, I'm going to play this clip as Maggie is looking in the fridge. You got this side door open. Their fridge door is bigger than their little freezer door that has the ice in it. But she notices a bottle of wine is missing. Like, I swear I thought I put a bottle of wine in there. And she, oh, Jason must have drank it. Good thing. There's plenty of wine over here in this little cubby on the front side of the uh, kitchen island. And Luke notices all of these bottles of wine. And he's putting together Mike's version of his angry dad making Freddy Krueger look like a guy with press-on nails. And all of these bottles of wine. And Maggie doesn't exactly help matters when she says, oh, Jason's been collecting for years. He's he really loves his wine. And it's Luke's connecting the two things, as in you're going to see why all of a sudden the wine goes missing. I mean, Luke just got a split-second preview of Jason yelling, which is like empty threats in the air as he's screaming Mike's name. But, yeah, eh. I feel I feel for Luke. It's like, buddy... You lived in a broken home. You can clearly see by these people that it, they aren't angry people. It's a nice suburban family, but then again, Luke is just... That's just the way that he's wired. He's wired for survival. He's been out on his own. We'll learn later when he meets his dad just how long he's been out on his own. He's been eating food, scared he'd get beat up having to find places to stay, especially in the winter time. So that's just how he's wired. He wants to protect this family. He thinks that Jason is going to go off the rails, especially when Maggie's like, oh, he really likes his wine. He really likes to drink. So I'm going to play this clip. No kidding. You used to work on a dude ranch? <laughs> when you cook for 68 burly men with lassos, you learn to watch your biscuits. <laughs> that's funny. I could have sworn there was a bottle of wine in there. <laughs> Jason must have finished it. It's okay, there's plenty more. Wow, that's a lot of wine. Yeah. Jason started collecting. He really likes his wine. Every once in a while. Yo, Luke, I want to introduce <laughs> you to a friend. Barbie. Well, pleased to meet you, Barbie. Barbie. Does she have a last name? Doll. <laughs> she wants to be invited over to her dream house for tea. Well, I never turned down an invitation from a beautiful woman. She's got a boyfriend. So we get the first appearance of Chrissy, and she's played by Ashley Johnson, and nothing against the actress, but she's just, her cuteness factor is on overload to the point of cavity level, and luckily they just use her... She's only got this scene and one other scene. She comes in, she's got her Barbie doll, 
says, hey, Luke, I want to introduce you to Barbie. And she's got a boyfriend. And she wants to invite you to her dream house for tea. And he's like, oh, well, you know I never turned down an invitation from a beautiful woman. And, of course, Chris is like, well, she does have a boyfriend. But I can stuff him in a drawer. And they go walk off. Now we got... Is this the next day? Because Mike's on the couch in a robe and pajamas and slippers, flipping through a file that Jason has on Luke looking for prospective foster families to put him someplace. Yes, it's morning time because Jason comes out of his office in his robe. And Jason's like, have you seen that file? It was in my office a second ago. And, of course, it's right there in the side of the couch. He's got it stuffed between the cushion cushion and the side of the couch. I'm like, oh, no, Dad, I haven't seen it at all. And, of course, Jason's like, huh, gee, what's this? As he yanks it out. And as Mike's like, oh, well, I mean, I didn't read it. Well, oh, by the way, um, forget about that family from Brooklyn. I don't want Luke ending up with people that drag their knuckle- knuckles on the ground. Why are you shaming Brooklyn people? Oh, <laughs> Mike's like, oh, I'm just sitting here on the couch watching the game on TV. The TV is not on. And Jason's like, okay, give me the folder. Mike says, I don't want Luke being raised by people who drag their knuckles on the ground. Um, Luke is 16. He's got two years left until he is 18. What raising are you going to do? He's just going to stay with somebody until he ages out of the system, and then he'll move on with his life. Although, if you've seen the series, you know Luke's dad comes back, his dad's a trucker, finds out his back's deteriorating, and he can't be a trucker anymore, so he decides to open a truck shop or truck stop, and Luke decides to go with him to help him, which of course makes sense because the Seavers at the end of the season, the final season, are going to Washington, where maybe they might have taken Luke with them, who knows. And Luke's like, er, <laughs> Mike is really going to bat for, for Luke, like, just saying, like, Dad, look, he's had a tough life, I want him with people that will treat him well, where he can have his own room. In a good neighborhood with a good school. A room of his own with a private entrance and a satellite dish? Well, you can always move him in with the Cohen family from the OC. I mean, they took in one guy off the kid off the streets. I'm sure Luke would love to have his own private uh, entrance in his pool house with an infinity pool and bathroom and kitchenette. Granted... He'd have to wait, let's see, this is 92, so he'd have to wait at least 11 years. And he'd have to compete with Ryan Atwood from Chino. Actually, if you think about it, Ryan Atwood from the OC and Luke have a bit in common. Ryan's mother was an alcoholic. Luke's mother has passed, and he was living with his stepdad, who was a drunk. Yeah, pretty much same type of story. So now we go to Carol and Maggie. Carol's come home to do her laundry because apparently at the dorms it's a cray-cray place where everyone's doing their laundry on the weekends because of course you can't do it during the week when you got school and you got to study. And and Maggie's like, well, how does anyone get their laundry done? And Carol's like, well, don't ask me. I'm still on a waiting list to even get to the laundry room. So, Maggie tells Chrissy to take out the trash. Is my, er, Jason still, he's got that bucket that had suds in it for washing the car. But Chrissy takes this giant plastic bag that's as tall as she is. It's got, like, plastic bottles and stuff in it, like, probably some trash. 
And then when she comes back in, she's got a paper sack filled with empty bottles. Oh, she brings it in from outside. Gotcha. Because she brings in, like, people, how many times I got to tell you about recycling? Thank you, Michelle Tanner. Thank you for that. We just covered that in the Full House episode of Subterranean Graduation Blues yesterday. Michelle's all about the environment. All about saving the earth. Was it big in the 90s? Was all about, like, saving the planet, recycling, all that fun stuff. And Jason's like, hey, anyone seen Luke? That station wagon's looking kind of grungy. Oh, you mean the other vehicle. I was going to say, didn't he, like, just wash your car? Now let's, hey, since he's so good at washing my car, let's have him wash your car, Maggie. So Maggie says, oh, well, he went with Luke to check out foster homes. I don't know where exactly they are, but he's, Mike said something about knuckle dragging. And, of course, Jason's like, oh, yeah, he, they, uh, they're in Brooklyn. Mike probably just wanted to check out that family from Brooklyn. Because he's like, oh, don't worry, everyone in Brooklyn walked upright. There are no knuckle dragging. So you're implying that people in Brooklyn walk hunched over to the point where their knuckles are dragging on the ground. Come on. Like they all work on the docks or something. So Maggie and Jason are really uh, priding Mike on his, well, he's not there, but they're saying how since Mike brought in Luke, he's becoming more responsible because he's really dedicated to finding Luke a good home. Hey, at least Jason's wearing form-fitting jeans. No one else in the family apparently is. Well, Maggie is. But, of course, Maggie opens the fridge. Again, missing wine. Honey, did you finish a bowl, off a whole bottle of wine last night? That's not like you. You normally just have a glass. So I'm going to play this clip. Because he's like, oh, dear, come on. There's more in the, the, the cabinet. And she looks like, uh, honey, it's empty. There is nothing down here. Did you have a bender that I don't know about? <laughs> Do we need to have a discussion? Do I need to call AA? You know, this is too much. <laughs> I know I put a bottle of wine in there. There's more in the cabinet. Holy moly. Want to bet? That's impossible. Last time I looked, there were 15 bottles in there. People, people, people. How many times do I have to tell you about recycling? In a minute, honey. But, Mom, look. Somebody put glass in with the regular garbage. Jason, the wine bottle. Well, who could have... <laughs> oh, my God. So, Chrissy comes in with this really gross, waxy-looking paper sack. She's chastising her family about not recycling and someone put glass bottles in with the plastic ones. Okay, so she must have just went out there and got those because she was not dragging 15 bottles of wine in that plastic bag that probably would have weighed as much as she did. So, yeah. And Jason's looking at this empty bottle like, who do you think... And Maggie's holding it like, oh my god. And I'm like, not once did Luke ever give you indi in an indication at all that that kid is a drinker. Granted, people can be really good at hiding things like that, but Luke's not going to drink more than his weight in, in 15 bottles of wine. That kid would be dead of alcohol poisoning, I can bet you. 
And Jason's like, I can't believe it. And Maggie's like, oh, I know, it's incredible. And of course, Chrissy's like, uh, look, it's just bottles. I'll take care of them. Don't worry. And she's like, I'll sort them myself. What are you going to sort, kid? There's not 15 bottles in that bag. That bag doesn't look like it could hold 15 X uh, glass bottles in there. No way. Okay, so Jason's like, look, let's not jump to any conclusions. We don't know that it was Luke. And Carol's like, of course it's not Luke. He wouldn't have done that. And, of course, out come all of the stories. From the Barnstormers, the Coconuts, the Lassos, the... The Pancake Wimbler Jack thing, which they weren't there for. So I'm going to play this clip. And they're finally, like, someone's spinning tails. Someone's telling tall tales. And it's not uh, Pecos Bill. We don't know for sure that it was Luke. Luke? He couldn't have done it. I agree. He's a responsible kid. After all, he spent his childhood cooking for an entire dude ranch. No, he didn't. He spent his childhood hanging out with the barnstormers. Barnstormers? The golden eagles. They used to make him throw up. He loved those guys. Will you just listen to yourselves? Barnstormers, dude ranch. I mean, how gullible can you be? Oh, I suppose you know the real story. Yes, he grew up on a plantation in Jamaica with big guys and, and coconuts. <laughs> that line, pig dog stole your wine. Have we heard this term before used by Carol where she calls someone a lying pig dog or a pig dog? Or... But anyway, yeah, they're like, eh. Jason's like, yeah, he grew up with Barnstormers, and Maggie's like, of course he didn't. He grew up with uh, love, uh, big guys with lassos, cowboys and stuff. And Carol's like, you two are so stupid. No, he grew up in Jamaica with coconuts. Like, they're looking at each other. Okay, like, he, yeah. And I love how they're saying, no, Luke couldn't have done this. No way. He's a responsible kid. After a day, they, they just, the illusion of this kid drinking this stuff just is like, that's not even a possibility. He's been with each of them, every single one of them, in 24 hours. He would have not had time to drink 15 bottles of wine. But now Ben wants to test the theory of going to the movie theater and trying to get him free. So, ben, what is Ben's endgame here? Does he want to spend the night in the movie theater? Or does he just want to get in free? Just because Luke claimed he had a system, which is all bullcrap, does not mean that you could pull it off, Ben. It takes a swift street kid to know all the ins and outs of how to do things, how to work people. He already got you guys believing all this stuff, and you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And, of course... We get inner monologue the whole time from Ben. Like, all right, this is it. Luke said, just stay calm, be chill, be cool, and no one's going to be the wiser. Someone kind of bumps Ben's shoulder from behind, and he immediately goes into panic mode. Like, oh my god, oh, I'm going to get caught. So we get a shot of a porno movie. It's clearly an adult film. Ben, you wouldn't even be going and you would not even be able to get a ticket to that movie because you're 15. What kind of movie theater shows regular movies with adult films? It's New York. It looks like a regular theater. 
But there's a poster with stewardesses wearing really revealing clothes, and they're wearing like the uh, the the captain's hat or whoever you know the the pilot people, the stewardess. It's called when stewardess stewardess go bad. And Ben notices, like, you know, I really don't see this at the theater that much anymore. But the floor is littered with tickets here. Well, not completely littered, but here and there. And he's like, let me pick up this stub. Which there is a usher standing right outside this door. And Ben makes such a commotion trying to go over this velvet rope. Like, oh, there's one, as he dives for it. And then, of course, by jumping over this velvet rope, he throws his body into it, which knocks the poles asunder. They clink into each other. It's making a big old racket. And this guy is like, okay, what's this Yahoo up to? What's he doing? He's clearly up to no good. So I'm going to play this clip as Ben is like, show him the stuff, show him the stuff. All this in his mind. He's like, oh, uh, here, here's my stub. I was seeing this movie. Um, I forgot my wallet in there. And the guy, the usher is all like, really, your wallet? Like, this guy hasn't heard this a billion times from a bunch of kids probably trying to sneak into the movies. That's the biggest trope in the book. I forgot my wallet in there. Whoops, I took my glasses off to rub my eyes and now I can't find them. I forgot I was not wearing them. Come on. I mean, he's not wearing glasses yet, but I'm going to play this clip. It's just, it's funny, Ben going into panic mode and freaking out. This guy's not, the guy actually does buy it for a minute until Ben's like, oh, I want to get some popcorn. Because everybody's like, all right, just go to the theater, go into the theater, and don't do anything else. Because the guy's like, all right, come. he's like, I'll just get my wallet, I'll be out at the next show at 3.15. And I was like, all right, but go straight in and come straight out. It's like, you're, ben, you're not going to sit there and watch the movie. He wants you to get your dang wallet. And, but then again, most likely he'd be like, I'm sorry, there's a movie currently playing. You will have to wait until it empties out. And then when the clean, the ushers go in to clean, you can go look for your wallet. Because you're not going to find it in the dark. I remember one time I was watching a movie. I was fiddling with my rings, always rubbing, you know, pulling them over my knuckle repeatedly. And one time they actually <laughs> fell, uh, like, on the floor. And, of course, it's dark. It's dark. So um, I'm like, eh, eh. I had to go get an usher. Like, I need a flashlight. I think one time I, yes, I did. I did drop my phone one time. And it fell behind the seat. The point where we had to get an usher to help me find it. Oh, I know. Jeremy's in the living room. He's probably shaking his head and rolling his eyes. Like, you got to be kidding me, really. Uh. Yeah, pick up the this is it. Luke said nothing could go wrong as long as I stay calm. Okay, now pick up a ticket stub without drawing attention to yourself. Okay, theater five, you're home free. Hold it there, you old nose wipe. Red alert! Damage control! Show them the stub! Show them the stub! Uh, excuse me, sir. Um, I just came out of uh, Theater 5, and um, I left my wallet in there. <laughs> Your wallet? Yeah, it uh, must have slipped out of my pocket. 
rocket when I stood up to let those nuns take their seats. There were nuns watching when stewardesses go bad? Yeah, well, they left early. If you just let me go in, I'll grab my wallet, and I'll be out of there before the next show at 3.15. Okay, but go straight in and come straight out. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Touchdown. <coughs> now, go directly to the theater, stopping for nothing. your wallet i see uh yeah well this this is just my regular wallet that was my lucky wallet <laughs> good thinking he's buying it <laughs> so yeah this guy's like okay fine fine you lost your wallet good wallet good go in there come right back out though because Ben's like, I'll be out of there before the next show in three, at 3.15. Because he's apparently memorized the schedule of this movie. <laughs> and the guy's like, alright, go in. Come right out. And I'd be like, no! You would say you have to wait until the movie's over. I'm not letting you go in there when the movie's still going on. Because you're going to disrupt people. I'm going to get complaints. And Ben is like, yes, he bought it! As the guy walks away, I'm like, alright. Go to the theater, stopping for nothing. Of course, Ben is Ben. He's a teenager, loves food, sees popcorn. Like, of course, what is a movie without popcorn? And <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, extra large popcorn. And, of course, the usher turns around, sees him, pull out his wallet. He's like, oh, yeah, I see you found your wallet, huh? And Ben's like, oh, well, no, actually, this is my regular wallet, the one that's in the theater. It's my lucky wallet. And Ben's like, oh, great, he's buying it. No, he's not. As the guy clamps the hand down on Ben's shoulder and yanks him up by his hooded shirt and escorts him out. This guy even takes Ben home. So this guy's just allowed to leave his job to escort a teenager to his house to reprimand him and his parents? I find that to be a load of crap. Uh, yeah, and also Ben makes up a lie about how, oh, I must have lost it. It must have slipped out of my pocket when I stood up to let those nuns take their seats. Because he says, oh, I was just in uh, Theater 5 as he shows him the stub. And he's like, oh, I'm the when I let those nuns take their seats, my wallet slipped out of my pocket. And the guy's looking at him like Ben is, like, a complete moron. Like, really, there were nuns watching when stewardesses... I cannot even say the word. Stewardesses go bad. And Ben's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? Well, you know what? They didn't know what movie they were watching, and they just left, so... I looked up, and I know it's not a real movie, and it just came up with searches for other, like, what's the difference between a flight attendant and a stewardess, and then I'm like, okay, let me put in the word porno after it, and I see naked nurses something or other title, when nurses go bad or something like that, but I didn't see, and yeah, like, no way, I just thought it was like a play on title of a different type of film. I even saw a poster for some movie that looked like it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, it wasn't Terminator 2 or anything like that. It almost looked like, what's that movie, Collateral Damage or something? Oh, the title of the When Stewardesses Go Bad. And it says, Looking for a Few Good Men. And these, one woman is in a flight, 
uh, pilot's hat, and all three women are wearing very revealing bikini, leather bikinis, just, ugh. only one of them is, appears to be a pilot, because she's wearing a hat, but the other ones are not even hiding the fact that they're flight attendants, they don't look like flight attendants at all. So, Maggie and Jason are sitting in the living room waiting for Mike and Luke to come home. And, of course, Mike's like, hey, don't worry. Everyone in Brooklyn walked upright, and uh, I bought Luke a football. And he's like, here, Luke, catch this football. As he throws it to Luke, who's now by the door to the kitchen. Like, hey, let me tell you, is he the next Joe Namath or what? And Jason says, hey, Luke, we're going to be eating soon while you go wash up for dinner. And then that's when they tell Mike... Uh, we're not going to be able to find Luke at home. And Maggie's like, we don't think he should be in our home either. And of course, Mike doesn't understand, like, where is this coming from? You were fine with him staying here temporarily. Now, all of a sudden, you don't want him here. And there's the thunder again. Mom, Dad, uh, just for the record, everyone in Brooklyn walked upright. bottles are missing and that they feel Luke needs to be an alcohol well Jason says he needs to be in an alcohol treatment facility and Mike brings up a good point have you seen this kid walking around drunk have you seen him hungover uh, have you smelled alcohol on his breath? They are making assumptions to this kid. Just because all of a sudden, because Maggie, he knows where those wine bottles were kept. He was there when Maggie took one out of that um, wine storage thing. And it's just like, I was thinking about this actually while I was getting groceries. Well, I was putting groceries in my car like an hour ago. And I thought, if they were to ever suspect anybody of drinking... You want to know who I would point a finger at? Ben. Ben is definitely the type. He is a goofy, reckless kid. He just 
seems, he seems to me like somebody that would try alcohol. Um, they never did, I don't, they did a cocaine episode where Mike was at a party where there's cocaine. I don't believe he was ever really fully tempted to try it. He immediately is like, I'm not into that. And, yeah, but they don't know what to do. And they're like, we got to think about Ben and Chrissy. Like or not, Luke's going to have an influence on them. And Mike's like, yeah, right. Show me one kid in this family he's had an influence over. And, of course, right on cue, doorbell rings. And the guy from the Massapequa movie complex shows up with Ben. Like, hey, this nose wipe here claims to live here. And we caught him sneaking into the theater. And, of course, Maggie's like, young man, where did you get an idea like that? And Ben's like, nothing is going to make me talk, all right? I'm not saying anything. And, of course, Maggie's like, uh, you better open your mouth and talk. So he's like, all right, it was Luke. Like, he didn't intentionally, he didn't say, Ben, go sneak into the movie theater because I would go there and... He said... Luke's exact words were, I have a surefire system where the usher ushers me into the place and holds the door open. Oh, and he also calls me sir. Now, not at any point did he say, oh, by the way, um, I sneak myself in. So that's just Ben being a dum-dum. Just because it worked for Luke, supposedly. We don't know if he actually stayed in a movie theater. He might have. Doesn't mean it's going to work for Ben. So now we cut up to Carol's room. We got Luke already starting to put stuff in a bag. So I'm kind of wondering, I mean, he has no indication of what conversation took place downstairs. He doesn't know. Or maybe he kind of figures, because he did throw that wine out, that eventually that's going to come back to him. They're going to go through the family, okay, who did this? Well, he we went through all of you. None of you clearly have done this. It's got to be Luke. So he probably thinks, I need to split before they find out. And they, I think he might be semi-aware, because otherwise, why is he packing a bag? Unless Mike said, oh, by the way, uh, your two days with the family are up. You have to leave. So I'm going to play this clip, and it gets very, very heated when they go in and start, Jason and Maggie especially, start in on him with the drinking, like, you need help, there are places for teens who drink, and immediately Luke is like, you find a teen who drinks, I don't touch that crap, okay? And then that's what triggers him into revealing what his home life actually is. I agree, yes, Luke does need counseling. And thank goodness Jason is a psychiatrist. Because at one point when he is living with the family, actually Luke has to get a physical and see a doctor and make sure he's healthy. I mean, if he's been living on the streets, when's the last time he went to a doctor or a dentist? Once he had proper food? Maybe... Well, he seems to be able to get food from some places. He was able to find himself a place to stay inside that that school. So maybe he was able to find a toothbrush and some toothpaste. I don't know. I wasn't there with him. I wasn't bunking with him. So I don't know. But he seems pretty good at being able. He's a he's a guy kid of survival. He knows how to take care of himself. Hey, Luke, what are you doing? Oh, packing. I got to picture my 
my lease was up. So I'm taking two pairs of socks and one pair of underwear. Mind if I keep the football? Look, we've got to clear something up. Fine, I'll leave the football. No, that's not it. We uh, found some empty wine bottles in the trash. So? Luke, we want to help. We know you're drinking. Me? I wouldn't touch that poison. <laughs> I'd like to believe you, but between barnstorming and biscuits, how are we supposed to know when you're telling the truth? Doesn't matter what I say. You guys got your minds all made up. Not all of us. All right, Luke, you just tell me that you didn't take that wine, and I'll believe you. Luke, tell me. I'm out of here. Oh, Luke. Wait a second. You need help. There are programs for teens who drink. So then go find a teen who drinks. Luke, don't you know how bad that stuff is for you? Do you have any idea what alcohol does to your internal organs, your, your liver and your heart and your whatever else is in there? <laughs> Come on, man. Don't you know that, that booze can kill you? Leave me alone. You can't tell me anything about booze. I don't know. It makes you stupid. It makes you sick. It makes you forget. It makes you hit people. It makes you afraid to come home at night. What? Makes you afraid to ask a question or make a noise. Get a glass of water. Do anything that'll make a man when he's drunk. Well, who's drunk? Nobody here gets drunk. No, he's not talking about us, Mike. How are you, Luke? right away is like we know you took those wine bottles and between you saying you you grew up in working with cowboys or you're living with barnstormers how do we know when you're actually telling us the truth and the thing is when they come in and he's packing and Mike is like well what are you doing Luke and he's like well I got the picture my lease was up so I'm packing so my guess is when Jason said, go up and wash for dinner. Odds are he's like, okay, they want to talk to Mike about something. And I think that tipped Luke off. Like, okay, they're seriously, they found out. And Maggie, right, he's also like, we know you've been drinking. And he's like, I wouldn't touch that stuff. And, and she's like, well, between the empty wine bottles and all your stories, I don't know what's the truth. And even Mike's like, hey, look, Luke, I believe you, okay? If he says he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So, Luke, you tell me you didn't do it, okay? And he's like, all right, Luke, come on, come on. And Luke's like, forget it, I'm gone. And it's, ugh. And Jason's like, hey, look, we can help you. There are programs for teens that drink alcohol. And, and, and Luke is like, look, you want to go find a teen that drinks because I do not. And... Mike at one time grabs Luke by the shoulders and is like, hey, look, you know that booze can kill you? It can rot out your guts and your liver and your heart and whatever else you got in there? And, and, and Luke is just getting angry. He's like, hey, you don't have to tell me what booze does. I know what it does. And, and he starts going off saying, it makes you stupid. It makes you sick and it makes you forget and it makes you hit people. And, and everything like this. And Luke's also saying it makes you scared to come home at night and to make a noise and do anything that will set him off when he's drunk. Mike immediately is like, oh, well, my dad doesn't get drunk. And Jason's like, holds up a hand like, Mike, he's not talking about us. Like, you need to let him get this out. And they sit Luke down and say, all right, it's okay. It's a safe space here. You let it out. You let us know what happened. And it seems like, in a way, that Luke 
made up these stories, which kids probably do. They make up stories because they are too scared to tell what their home life is really like. And sometimes they think if you sell it so often, it's almost like you even start to believe it yourself. It's almost like making up this fake facade of a life is better than what the reality is. Your father? He left when I was two. Who are you afraid of when they drink? My stepfather. I liked him at first. He was fine when he was sober. Like you. He even bought me an ice cream once. Boy, when he had a few belts in him, he was a different guy. Mean. Anything would set him off. Did he beat you? Yeah. <coughs> Mom tried to stop me. Beat her, too. After she died, he started drinking all the time. He didn't care how much he hurt me. One night he came after me with a baseball bat. If I hadn't run, he would have killed me. Oh, my God. I tell you, it's the liquor that does it to him. It does it to everybody. It's poison. And you didn't want that to happen again, did you? No. So you took our wine? Yes. But you didn't drink it. I poured it down the drain, every damn drop of it. Because you didn't want anybody to get hurt like you got hurt. It's all right. Everything's going to be all right. So Luke thought... I thought that drinking would turn me into his stepfather. Oh, hey, Luke, it's gonna be all right, buddy. Hey, my dad has a glass of wine every now and then, but, I mean, he never loses control. Why'd you say when he's mad, he's worse than Freddy Krueger? Yeah, really, Mike, why did you say that? Oh, I was kidding. No, no he'd never hurt anybody. You might find this hard to believe, but uh, there are places you'll be safe, you know. Here, for instance. You mean, you're not kicking me out? You can stay with us for as long as it takes to find a good home, but we need to trust each other, okay? Okay. No more lies about barnstormers and coconuts. <laughs> right. You don't need to tell stories in this house to be liked. Mom, Dad, I want to come clean with the truth. I was taken hostage by a group of space aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't help them sneak into the movies. They blow up Long Island. Oh my goodness, you're full of crap, buddy. So, Luke goes on to say that his stepfather was a nice guy, kind of like Jason. You know, I liked him at first. He was nice when he was sober. He even bought me an ice cream once. Hey, Quinn. So, um, I'm just trying... He. It sounds like his stepdad came into the picture when he was young. And I get so because he says that his dad left when he was two. We later learned when he visits his dad, his dad ran off because he was just a scared, dumb, maybe someone in their late teens, early 20s who knocked up a girl and didn't have their life figured out. And they wanted to go be a trucker and everything like that. So, of course, what does the mother do? She needs somebody to help raise her son. And she needs someone who can be a breadwinner. Because maybe she's doing the best she can being a single mom, trying to find a job, but she needs a stable provider. 
and a male role model for her son. And she probably thinks, here's a great guy that comes along. He works and this and that. But, of course, he's got an issue when he drinks. The one thing that concerns me, Luke says, after she died, he started drinking all the time. And I'm thinking, we don't find out what she died from. Did she have cancer? Was it a car accident? Did he kill her? Is my question. Because he says at one point his dad got, his stepdad got so drunk, he came after him one night with a baseball bat and he was ready to bash that kid's head in. And Luke said that he split. If I hadn't got out of there, he would have killed me. He didn't say he would have killed me like he killed my mother, but I'm really curious as to how she died. I really would like to know. Because, of course, if she's married to him, then I guess that means he has custody of Luke. And maybe at the time when she died... Because I think when he meets... Get out of the sink! Out of the sink! I'm talking to Quinn. She's getting in the sink. Get out of the sink! Out! Out! Thank you. Crazy goober cat. Because I think when he talks to his dad, he said he had been living on his own for like a year and a half or so. So I'm guessing that's how long, like he was probably like maybe 14, 15 when he, so his, I'm guessing that his mom must have died and then shortly after his stepdad starts drinking a lot and goes after him one night with a baseball bat and Luke is like, I gotta get out of here, this isn't safe for me anymore. And the fact that he would beat on Luke Luke says when he was drinking and had a few belts in him, he was a different guy. And that his mom would try to stop his stepdad, and of course, he would then turn on her and beat on her and everything. And you know what this makes me think of? That movie that he starred in after this was This Boy's Life, and that is exactly the scenario of This Boy's Life. Um, his character is a teenage boy, who's got a single mom, and she's looking for a male role model for her son. So she ends up marrying Dwight, who's played by Robert De Niro. And this guy rules the family with an iron fist, and he is just physically abusive, emotionally abusive, and just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to see that after this show ended, that is the movie that he went on to star in. So, maybe this was good practice for that. But, and Leonardo DiCaprio's A really, really shines in this moment. The only other time I can think of that it's just that good is when he meets his dad for the first time, and he's built his dad up in his mind, like, oh, I knew you were a secret agent, and you had, that's why you had to leave mom and me to protect us. And that's when the veil drops and his dad reveals, well, no, that's not it. I actually was just a dumb, stupid kid who wasn't ready to be a father, so I left. So, um, yeah. And they just said, like, hey, it's going to be all right. Jason puts his hands on Luke's shoulders saying, hey, there are places that you will be safe, like here, for instance. And Luke looks at him surprised, like, you mean you're not kicking me out? And they're like, no, no, we will let you stay here as long as it takes to find you a good home. 
and Maggie even said she's crouched down so she can look at him in the eye and says, but you need to stop with the lies, all right? We need to be able to trust each other. That's how that's going to work. We have to have open communication. No more lies, Luke. And of course, she says, you don't have to tell lies to be liked in this house, guy. You, you don't have to do that. And of course, door opens. It's Ben. He's like, oh, mom, dad, I want to come clean, all right? I was taken hostage by space aliens, and they said if I didn't help them sneak into the theater, they would blow up Long Island. And everyone looks at him like, even Jason and Maggie like, our kid is so stupid. Why is he so stupid? Ben, you were so smart when you were young. It's like, writers, you dumbed him down. You dumbed him way, way down. And you made this boy a laughingstock. Right up there with... In Fuller House with Nikki and Alex Katsopoulos, they made those kids a laughingstock now that they're they're older, that they've been in college for like the last six plus years. And it's like, why do you do that? Because you don't know how to write the character anymore? Ben was such a great character when he was young. He was funny. He was sarcastic. He just, he had such good wisecracks. And now it's just like, oh, you're just the guy we're going to laugh at. That's pretty much the episode. I really, really liked this one. This, in a way, for me, even though we meet Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Luke Brower, in the first episode, this episode is where he shines so bright. Stop. Oh, she's chewing on wires and stuff. Why are you even on the table, Quinny? It's not even close to your dinner time. You got well over an hour and a half. You cray-cray kitty. Are you cray-cray kitty? Meow! Oh, my little kitty-witty. So, of course, um, the next episode I'm going to be doing is towards the end of June. It's the Bad Dad Cafe where Luke does meet his father. His dad just shows up somehow looking for his kid, somehow he's able to track him down to that, um, um, alternative high school. Because, um, the, the teaching center where Mike works, the guy said, his boss says, oh, by the way, Luke Brower's father called and he wants his son back. And I remember Jason saying something like, hey, he's 16. If he doesn't want to live with his dad, he doesn't have to. But then again, he's 16. Because Jason says a judge is going to listen to him if he doesn't. And I'm kind of thinking that. It's like the guy was absent for all of that kid's life, pretty much. He was a non-existent father. I can't see them, even though he is basically Luke's biological father. I don't know. But I'm going to get into that when I get into that episode. So I, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed covering it. There are some goofy episodes with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, Luke Brower throughout um, season seven that are kind of cute. He and Ben get into a shoving match over a girl. So that's cute. By that time, Ben's got his glasses. So, um, and this season, he does get his glasses. Oh, wait, no. It was in season one that was revealed that his eye doctor said he needed glasses. Like, oh, they do that on the first day? They give you an exam in school? I got hearing tests when I was uh, in elementary school, but that was about the extent of that, so. All right, so everyone have a wonderful Saturday afternoon, although it was like going on four.
Quinn's going to sit on my arm, aren't you, girl? That's good. <laughs> Your 14-pound butt is going to sit on my arm. <laughs> oh, if you have cats, isn't it crazy what they do? <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. And I will be back towards the end of June with the Leonardo DiCaprio episode. Bye-bye.